You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose. Flames losing streak extended to three as the Predators get a split in the province of Alberta tonight. They'll leave Calgary with a 4-1 to win. On the official home of your Calgary Flames. The Flames win it! Yeah! Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You made it. It's Friday. It's the big show. Rustic and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The fan. Woof. Woof. I feel like... I feel like the Flames all owe all of us an apology last night sitting through that game. You went down to the Dome. You watched it on TV. That first period. A lot of Kraken vibes in that first period. Flames came out flat as a pancake. Lost their third straight last night. 4-1 of the Predators. One more game left in this ridiculously long homestand. And that's the theme we kept hearing last night. Can't wait to get on the road. Got to get on the road. We've been in Alberta for seven weeks. It's time to mix it up. It's time to do that bonding. It's time to stay in the hotel. It's time to go for some team dinners. But uh, last night was far and away the worst loss of this three-game slide, Matty. Uh, I don't know. I think blowing a lead to the Oilers never hurt, never is good. Like, blowing third-period leads is never ideal. This was a different type of loss. This is one where it really felt to me like this was a group that was a little bit nervous for that game, and not necessarily because it was the Predators coming into the town and there's some vaunted opponent who's crushing it this year. Like, that was a team that came into Calgary 1-6-1 and one in their last eight games. But at the same time, for me, it looked like a group that the last two games, those third-period losses, has kind of got this group reeling a little bit. The confidence looks shaken. The chemistry doesn't look there right now. And now you've got to try and adapt and, and figure this thing out. you got one more home game coming up against the Devils. And then, like you mentioned, it is going to be that, that great opportunity to get out on the road and get out there with your buddies, get away from all the distractions and all that jazz. Um, but first, got to take care of business on Saturday, which is a Devils team that you cannot take slightly. And they're red hot right now after storming back to beat the Oilers last night in Edmonton. Um... I'm new to this city, mm-hmm. new to the radio station, uh-huh. new to watching the Calgary Flames as closely as I do now. Sure. Um, criticism's a harsh word sometimes that we use in the media, but uh, I know Daryl Sutter's a slam dunk Hall of Fame coach. Uh, the guy's a Stanley Cup champion. Uh, he's just an incredible head coach. I just don't understand the rationale of switching up the lines when your team was 5-2 and two because clearly over the last two games, it ain't working, and a lot of guys are pressing, and the chemistry isn't there, and you broke up the one line that you could depend on, the DNA line as we named it on this show, although you're trying to push Tenacious 3. I wouldn't use we. Okay, well, the show, uh, the listeners, our friends, um, I just don't understand why break up something that was working, and I know it all stemmed from the loss to the Oilers, but there was some chemistry, and Dubé Manjapani and Kadri was has been this team's best line this season. And to break that up, to get other guys going, I just don't know why. And having guys playing 
out of position. Like, God bless Milan Lucic, and uh, he was good last night, played well. Milan Lucic, at this point in his career, shouldn't be on the second line. Like, it's just, he's just not a second-line player at this point of his career. Played good last night, but how much gas is that guy going to have in the tank if he's playing all those minutes as the season rolls along? Because you you made the observation uh, that last year, Lucic got off to a great start, faded down the stretch, could have been the COVID stuff, could have just been uh, the guy's got a lot of miles on that body. And again, the style of game he plays. That's right. It never, never sits not easy. out. Not easy. Plays 82 games a year. Right. Um, and he kind of faded down the stretch a little bit. It's just frustrating. Can, I don't understand why switch everything up now when the team was five and two, when these last two games, they've been disjointed to say the least. I think that the reason that you switch it up is because you feel like with Kadri and Manjapani and Dubé, the type of guys that they are, motor type of players, pretty smart the way they think the game, especially Kadri and Manjapani, um, that they can kind of go up and down the lineup and they can work and I understand at this point in the year, what you're trying to do is figure out how Jonathan Huberto can help your team and frankly, how to get Elias Lindholm back to the level that he was last year when he was playing with Kachuk and he was playing with Gaudreau and scored 40 goals and was a truly elite player in this league. And he's been fine defensively. He's been good in that aspect of his game, but offensively just not seen very much from Lindholm that reminds me of the way he was able to create last season so I understand the coaching staff being like hey these are two of our key guys that stir the drink and right now they're stagnant going into that Oilers game stagnant and going out of it I I think that I understand the idea of saying these two guys need to get going they're not doing it with each other and having to fully off on that right side isn't necessarily He's. We've talked about him. He's not necessarily the guy that drives that line. You look for the other two. He's a guy who can ride shotgun on a top six line and score goals for you. He rings one off the crossbar in the third period there that might have kind of changed the complexion of the game a little bit. But that's it for me. Like You've got two extremely important guys that you need to get going. I know that the Kadri line was working very well. But especially with it being this early on in the season and with all the new guys, you're still trying out new stuff and something that we were kind of talking about off the air too. Like you had a lot of preseason games, but how many times were you actually playing all these guys and playing them together and all that type of stuff? Like still a lot of things that are are being worked out. So I understand trying to switch up the lines, but it's obviously it, it hasn't worked for these two games. And I think that the way that the last two games have gone particularly the one against the Kraken where you blow that lead as well. Now the question is, okay, do we have to go back to what worked for just a little bit? But even if you do that, okay, now the Caudry line's going, what are you doing with Jonathan Huberto and what are you doing with yeah, Elias Lindholm? But isn't the onus on those two guys to get it going by themselves? Like, I get why you want to put Caudry with Huberto, but you just gave Huberto a nine-year deal. Like, and, but we talked about it yesterday, and Keith Yandel um, kind of reiterated my point. It was weird how Keith Yandel and I were so vibing yesterday. Um, he's a human being. It's not easy being here. It's the first team, first other NHL team besides the Panthers he's played for, mm-hmm. playing a Canadian market, everything that goes with moving to a new city, a new spot. I get all of that. New opponents. But, yeah, like, this isn't let's cater to Jonathan Huberto. Like, the dude had over 100 points and was one of the best players in the NHL last season. Eventually, he'll snap back being Jonathan Huberto. 
and to mess with a lineup that had some success early on in the season and to break up what's been the best line on the team this season. I just, I, I just, I just can't figure it out. There's no question. Even last night we saw on the goal, the best pair on this team is Coleman and Backlund. Those guys have a ton of chemistry together. Oh yeah. And that third line is terrific and it continues to be terrific. I just, I, I don't get it. And are, what kind of lineup are we going to see now tomorrow night against the Devils? Are we going to see this lineup or are we going to revert back to the lines that we saw the, for the first seven games of the season? Or is it going to be something different? But, but here's another, here's another example. Here's another case for me to, to go back to the original lineup. They got off to better starts with this original lineup, right? The last, the last two first periods against the Kraken and the Predators as Mike Babcock says, go to start on time. They did not start on time at all. They came out flat, no juice. And, and in that Kraken game, as you put it, because we were there, there was really not too much juice in the building. Daryl talked about it post-game too. I'm not blaming the fans for that. And I get the long homestand thing, but that lineup that they had the first seven games, they had some good first periods. I have yet to see a good first period from this lineup. Yeah, and and I think that's that's fair but I don't know if necessarily switching up the lines is going to change things like for me it's kind of like there's there's a handful of guys on this team right now that I think are going Backlund and Coleman are a tandem that I'm really enjoying watching no question Kadri's good Uh, I thought last night maybe looked a little bit off compared to what we've been used to in the first nine games but even then he was effective throughout courses of the game or throughout points of the game I thought Dubé and Mangiapane were solid, but you got to find a way to get those those other two going, and it gets back to the confidence thing. And frankly, I like I don't know if putting Lindholm to Foley and Huberto is going to work for them. Like that, that's the group that I'm concerned about right now. And it, you can put Kadri and Dubé and Mangiapane together, and you can have them work, and you could start with them and all of that jazz. But they could only play what five minutes, six minutes of the first period as is. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, this is a a more general thing. We can focus on the forwards, too, but, like, the blue line, m- missing Chris Tanev was significant in that contest yesterday, for yep. sure. They look disjointed on the blue line. Like, I don't know. There's just a lot of things that this team does well when they're winning. Like, go through the neutral zone with speed. Like, recover pucks in the offensive zone and create cycles to create more offensive zone time and kind of wear down their opposition hard on the forecheck to really wear down that opposition. And we're just not seeing a lot of those aspects of the game right now. Is it as simple as saying uh, this team goes as far as their power play is going to take them? Because so far this season flames five and zero when they score a power play goal. Oh, and four when they don't. I think it's oversimplifying things, but when you're a team that doesn't have a Connor McDavid that doesn't have a Nathan McKinnon that doesn't have an Austin Matthews that doesn't have an Alex Ovechkin, etc. You don't have one of those standalone game breaker players. You have to be able to score as a committee and you have to be able to score five on five because especially if you're a contender and you don't have one of those very top of the table type of guys that means that your depth should be better than your opposition's. You need to be able to score throughout your entire lineup. And when you're not doing that, you have to really lean on your power play 
and hope that those elite guys that you're putting out there are able to score. And right now, disjointed. I thought the power plays were... were the second one was... Uh, pardon me, I think it was one of the later ones that I did like, but for the most part, have not loved a lot of the power plays lately. Well, we were... I, I know I was singing the praises of the Flames the first seven games of the season because the depth on this team, there's, there's no question. There's a ton of depth in the forward groups at the beginning. And that's what we're not seeing here too with this lineup shuffle is them being able to draw those penalties that they were drawing early on in the season because the amount of pressure they were putting on the opposing team's bottom six. There's another case for me is yeah, let's let's get that let's get that top let's get that seven game lineup back here for the Devils. Let's let's just give it a shot. Cause Kadri been the best player on the Flames through the first seven games, no question about it, he's been a lot quieter. I know he scored that great goal against the Kraken, but he's been a lot quieter here the last couple games. And when you split him up with Dubé and Majapani, that line was working. That line always created chances. The line was drawing penalties. I just I just don't get the rationale, and I still don't get the rationale. And I and you can see it too on the team. They're not they're not putting the pressure they were the first seven games on the opposition mm-hmm. when they played Vegas. When they played Colorado, when they beat the Oilers the first time, the bottom six was creating chances and take and and forcing other teams to take penalties against them and giving the power play more chances. We're just not seeing that now here in this three game slide, especially the last two games with guys not used to playing with one another here. Yeah, and the Flames typically the last couple of games, if I'm not mistaken, have had to kill more penalties than they've worked to receive. Like you go back to that one game where Brett Ritchie drew like three or four penalties. Yes. That was, that's what you kind of needed. Right. I thought the fourth line had some good shifts in the game yesterday, but that's not necessarily a game where you look at those guys and say, okay, we need the offense from you. We need you to go out there and draw power plays. This was one of the games where to me, it did feel like you look at the top guys and you say, we needed a little bit more offense from you here. Like, the other thing, too, is you go back and you and you look at all the goals. Like, the Jankowski one, that's just a scramble play. Maybe need a little bit better coverage, picking up the guy coming off the bench. You know, we saw it with McDavid just a few games ago against Edmonton where he flies off the bench. He scores that goal against Jacob Markstrom from, from the boards. Jankowski does something very similar near the end of the first period. You have the power play goal from Yossi. The Forsberg goal was just a, a really bad change to start the second Oof. period. My goodness, was that a bad change to give up a 2-on-0 uh, against and didn't really fault Markstrom for that one. And then you give up an empty netter, right? So there were some issues there for sure. I The question for me is, okay, if, if you go back to Caudry, Dubé, and Mangiapane, is the other top six line that you're going with then, does it remain Lindholm, Huberto, and Toffoli? Or do you try and switch things up? Do you put Huberto with Backlund and Coleman? Do you move somebody up to play with Lindholm or Toffoli? Hypothetically, I guess call it moving up. Mm-hmm. Or do you you know spread the wealth of talent amongst your top nine like that? Would Backlund and Huberto be a pair? I think that that could work. I- I, I know about the first line that uh, we, we talked about it, how they hadn't scored five on five, Huberto, Lindholm, and Toffoli. But correct me if I'm wrong, Maddie, and maybe this is confirmation bias, but I just feel like they had a lot They had a lot of chances as a unit. They just weren't putting the puck in the net. 
there were chances there for that for that line. Well, and, and how much does this fall on Lindholm? Right, you kind of you kind of mentioned his name earlier on here at the top of the show, but we're focusing a lot on Huberto. But they even talked about it on the broadcast that uh, Lindholm's getting scored on now more five on five than he has. It took to December the amount of times he's been scored on five on five. How much of a slow start is is Lindholm on this team? And are we talking enough about that? Well, that that's kind of what I was mentioning off the top, right? Like him and Huberto, that's a reason why I wouldn't what? really go want to go back to Dubé and Kadri and Mangiapane because then you have to put Lindholm and Huberto together. And I really feel like both those guys right now are, yeah, they're elite players. Don't get me wrong. They're great players. They're top-line players in the NHL. But neither of them have their game right now, and both of them look like their confidence is shaken. So how do you get both of them going at the same time? Can you do it with both of them on a line together? Or you try to force it, and you try to get them to continue to to work things out on their own. Because Huberto and Lindholm are way too talented not to figure this out. Exactly. It's just the Flames right now don't have a line they can lean on. That's all I'm saying here. And, yeah, that's I think that's incredibly accurate. Yeah, and the Cadre line was that exactly. That's the line that can create chances and take penalties. I think my my overall point on the lines would be that it's still early, and I understand wanting to get some looks There's here. There's no question it's still early, but I just you were five and two with that lineup, and now you're lost two in a row since you switched it up and have it and look listless too at the same time. Yeah, it's not it's not that the fact that they lost. Okay, if they lost these you know, really tight games and they were dominating at stretches. But the last two games, the first periods have been flat as a pancake. Yeah. They haven't necessarily no. been able to get out there. Yeah. Listen, everybody looks like they're fighting a little bit. Yeah. Right yeah. Now. Confidence is an issue. Confidence is an issue. And I know Things Lou talked shaking. about it. Lou, uh, Lou talked about it post game last night. It looks like they're not having any fun out there. I would agree. Like, and every I, shot of Elias Lindholm, I'm like, I haven't seen him look like this in like two years. Sad pants. Sad. Yeah. Sad pants. Frowny. We got a ton on the flames uh, straight ahead in the Rose report. Um, later on in the program, 730, Ken Danico, Devils analyst, MSG, former Devil grade, three-time Stanley Cup champion will join us. Tee up those smoking hot devils coming to town tomorrow night. Rashma Danny from Sportsnet going to join us at 8 o'clock. Talk some CFL playoffs. This was your request. You wanted to talk some CFL playoffs. Stamps and Lions this weekend. We'll get a rash's take, and we got to ask a rash. Well, two things about the CFL. And again, I don't want to crap on the CFL because I always get painted with this you crap on the CFL brush too much, which is a, not, a, not a pleasant brush. Um, the, the whole Western Eastern All-Star thing was a fiasco, to say the least. Yep. And we still don't know who the halftime show is at the Grey Cup. I think that we know who it is going to probably be, but right now there's still has been no announcement. And uh, the hottest of hot takes in all of Calgary sports radio, there's one station, <laughs> Dragon's Breath. Uh, and uh, my pal, uh, he's the producer. You hear him uh, weekdays on the Sportsnet Radio Network. He's the producer of the Jeff Merrick Show. Matt Marchese is going to join us for Love some that. Dragon's Breath. Very excited to do a little bit of uh, wide. Yeah, we're going to do a couple breath. flames takes. I think the dragon has a couple flames takes fired up, and then maybe a couple from around the NHL. But um, first, uh, I got a little excited this morning. What did you do? Um, I know 
we're all in the afterglow of a, of a crap sandwich. <laughs> An afterglow. With mustard, as Elliot Friedman uh, would say, as I stall as you get that clip ready and Sometimes going. Sometimes life serves up that poop sandwich yeah. and you have no choice but mm-hmm. to say, oh, mm, mm. I'm going to put some mustard on this. Y- yum. Yeah, that was a poop sandwich last night watching the Flames and Preds game. Put the extra mustard on that poop sandwich. But I saw it this oh, morning. Mm, I'm gonna... Yeah. Uh, I saw it this morning. One of my guilty pleasure shows is kicking off season four, part one. Oh, season four, part one. And it's well, a it's show. Ozarks. And it's a show. Ozarks, Ozarks already in the done. Ozarks yeah. already done. So Patty Dumal weigh in on this. This is my I... stupid guilty pleasure. And all my friends and my brother make fun of me that I watch this show. And I have watched every episode of this show for some reason. I don't know why. I just have. It's Manifest. Manifest. Mm. Yeah, it was. It is was, that like a, a like a city TV? Yeah, it, like yes. lost type of deal. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. It was. Mm. It's all based on Flight Eight Two Eight and how it disappeared on the way home from Jamaica, and then five years later they just land. And they're the same people they were five years later, but everyone in regular life has aged and moved on. Well, hmm. that's a strange phenomenon. Yeah, it's a cool premise for a show, and it gets kind of weird and kind of stupid. But season four, part one, kicks off today. I need to know if Sanvi's going to jail for killing the major, yeah. and if Jared's going to find out. I need to. I need <laughs> to find out season three spoilers. I my need, goodness, I need to find out Cal's connections to the callings. Yeah, oh. for sure. The callings, like the like, is that the last name or is that like the like uh, people who call the callings? Well, you got to watch the show, and oh. I need to know <laughs> like what, watch the show, what actually happened that. to Grace in the cliffhanger to end season three. Is did that really happen? Is she really? Well, you got to watch the show. No. I need to know what what happened on Flight 828. What happened I need to Grace? To, I don't know. I can't tell you. You got to watch the show. I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to watch Manifest. Well, maybe the listeners. So that got me thinking. <laughs> uh-huh. I know we did movies yesterday, but Manifest is coming out on Netflix. <laughs> like, this is a big, it's a big deal. Probably to only me and the cast of Manifest. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. What is your even the cast is like? Eh, yeah, whatever, we're fine. getting paid. What is the uh, what is the guilty pleasure show we should be watching and why? Nine sixty nine sixty name and location. If we pick your text this morning, boom, hundred dollar gift card to Golf Town. It's that easy. It's it's literally that easy. We even went super easy yesterday. What's that one movie you watch on TV that once it's on, you can't stop watching? Oh, we got some good ones. We, we, wanna, we want us here. What is your guilty pleasure TV show and why we should be watching it? Maddie, what is your guilty pleasure TV show and why should we be watching it? Oh, man. Like, my guilty pleasures would probably be reality TV, which we've discussed on the show at times before. But uh, my better half, like, cannot get enough of the stuff like you name it any of these garbage netflix shows love is blind too hot to handle you name it she crushes them all you know what i've noticed i won't do all of them you know i've noticed in all of those shows what they're generally the worst people on the planet yeah and slightly attractive typically but also literally the worst people on the planet yeah generally like the the one she's watching love is blind there's this one dude on there who i'm like 
this is just like the scum of the earth type of dude. Like mm. you can't get over it. But uh, I do like um, I do like watching humans yell at each other for things that I find quite trivial. So uh, yeah, my guilty pleasure would probably be a little Bachelor, Bachelorette, or Bachelor in Paradise, mm. depending on what season it is. Did you watch the Bachelorette with the two Bachelorettes? Uh, that was the a most lot of recent one. Like it. Yeah, it was fine. Um, like it it. It felt long, and it felt kind of like too much was going on. I it see. was fine. Uh, I know Maddie Rose would get, but I only like the first, every time. first half of those. Yeah, I've never those, watched those the seasons season of, because then they fight, and then at yeah. the end, it's just all love. And I've never, yeah, I've never really watched. Uh, I know of The Bachelor. You'd also or get a Bachelorette. Rose for me. Yeah, but it's also the worst people again on the planet. Producer Patty Dumont. Yes, sir. What is the... <laughs> yes, sir. What is the, what is the guilty pleasure show we should be watching and why? Ah, uh, Trailer Park Boys for me. Oh, oh my God. It's uh, it's an older show, obviously. It's not on. Uh, it's all on Netflix, though. You can watch them from... It's a Canadian show, obviously. Wait, is there a plane that disappears and then comes back five years later? No plane. Okay. No plane, unfortunately. But that's uh, just a show. <laughs> like, it's, you know... Okay. Anybody who knows Trailer Park Boys yes. knows what it's all about. So that's just a show I can just laugh and laugh and laugh. I can I know it word for word pretty much. So yeah, this is, that's right. my Trailer Park pleasure. Boys. It's yeah. a hot take. Dragon's yeah. Breath hot take. Yeah. I can only watch like one or two episodes max of Trailer Park Boys in a row. Oh yeah, I can just do a season in the no, sitting. I just I can feel my brain rot. <laughs> it's, it's too if much. I, <laughs> if I start to watch multiple episodes, there's many shows like that where I'm just this is. Like, I love the show. I think you should leave. Yeah. But if I watch more than three episodes in a row, I'm like, I start to dissociate from reality. Well, I I can't watch more than one episode of it. It's always sunny in Philadelphia because you love that show. I love and it. And I always feel dirty. <laughs> I Like, I need a shower after every one of those <laughs> episodes. The worst humans yeah, on the, the face worst of the planet. Yeah, the worst on the face of the planet. Uh, Technical <laughs> Director Alex Brody, uh, do you have a guilty pleasure show we should be watching? Okay, so I'm going to go with Matt. And go the reality TV route. So okay. there's this show that came out kind of peak COVID called The Circle. Oh my God. Mm. Those are the worst people I, on the planet. Those are bad it, people. But I love it. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh my God. It's like, hey, Circle. And then they like text out their message by speaking. And it's just, it's so like heart face emoji, smiley emoji. And I'm just, <laughs> oh my God. But it's, I can't stop watching. It's okay. very um, showing of like, Oh, this is real life, and then this is like what people say instead of real life, and they like purposely catfish people in that show. It's really whack. Yeah, um, I know Lion, uh, not Lion King, uh, Tiger King, the Lion King. <laughs> no, not the Lion King. Uh, it's called Tiger King because that's the show everyone watched during the uh, when we were doing our heroic duty of just sitting on the couch. Uh, yeah. that's pretty good. It's pretty fast there. Um. I know that'll probably come up, Tiger King. But uh, we want to hear your guilty pleasure Tiger show. Tiger King. Yikes. What, 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 why we should be watching your guilty pleasure show. You give us a good reason. You give us the show and the reason why we should be watching it. You can win a $100 gift card to Golf Town. I think that's a pretty sweet deal. I think it's pretty easy. It's not that hard. Yeah. We want to have a little bit of fun because it's Friday. It's Friday. Last night was not fun. La- last, night was, last night was a poop sandwich. Covered in mustard, mm. the the Elliot Friedman sandwich. Yeah. It was definitely oh, yeah. covered, maybe even gray poupon mustard. Oh. Mm. Yeah, poop sandwich last <laughs> night for the Calgary Flames. Sometimes life serves up that poop sandwich, yeah. and you have no choice but to say, "Oh, mm. yeah, that was last night. That was a poop sandwich." <laughs> oh, mm. uh, yum! 
your guilty pleasure TV show and why your chance to win a $100 gift card from Golf Town. You got to put your name and location too on the text. Uh, and if and if you're with me and you have to find out what happened on flight 828, I'm with you. Oh my God. I might right away. If you give me a good manifest take, I'm probably the only one who watches that gonna, show in this city. You're going to be watching in commercial Matt, breaks. You're going to be like, <laughs> what happened on 828? I got to know. What happened to Grace? Because w- exactly. When I heard the show got canceled, I'm like, no, what happened on flight 828? I just, I just hope Gr- Grace got in time to, to catch the end of the news. Oh, it's. Or whatever her dilemma was. Yeah. Um, Maybe she. Had did ran out of trick yeah. or treating candy and Just she had to find her, more. I don't it know. involves Angelina and Grace at the end. Jolie, Angelina, no. Just saying. And all of her children. It was shocking. It was a shocking cliffhanger. And now we get to find out I'd, what actually happens. I'd be shocked if Season Angelina four, Jolie part was one. in a Netflix show. That Manifest feels, feels has like dropped. A pretty big billing for her. I it is. She's. It is. Uh, straight ahead, the Rose Report. More on the Flames loss. And I think at seven o'clock. I think we can open up the phone lines a little bit and more texts. A lot of listener engagement today. Kind of your concern level on the Calgary Flames right now. Mm. We'll do all of that. It's the it's it's the big show. It's Friday. It's Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to the big show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's Friday. It's hour one of the program. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. The top of the hour. What's your uh, concernometer on the Calgary Flames? Take some texts, take some phone calls, break down that poop sandwich of a game last night. 4 1 loss to the Predators. They've lost three straight. They finally, finally wrap up this eight game homestand tomorrow night against those New Jersey Devils. Speaking of those Devils, um, Devils legend Ken Danico, also analyst for the MSG Network, going to join us at 7.30. Tee up those red-hot New Jersey Devils who went into Edmonton last night and stormed back to win. Uh, we'll talk about that straight ahead in the Rose Report, which is brought to you by Motorworks, exceeding all expectations. BMW repairs and service in a state-of-the-art facility where they'll meet and beat all competitors' quotes on 51st Ave and 3rd Street. Southeast. Marty Rose. Matt Rose. Matt Rose. Yo, and welcome to your weekend sooner rather than later. We hope for all of you at least, and hopefully you were able to enjoy yesterday's game slightly, perhaps. We got a lot to get to in the morning report, including a look back at yesterday's game. Well, you got to be able to skate. Can't play in rubber boots. Can't play in rubber boots, George. (laughs) That was uh, Daryl Sutter talking about uh, just kind of hockey in general prior to the game against the Philadelphia, uh, pardon me, the Nashville Predators. Uh, 12-game slate yesterday. We also had some NFL, the World Series, some CanCon, and a bunch of local notes. So let's dive on in. Daryl Sutter on the Predators pregame. A lot of respect for their defense, especially the left side. You'll see at Coleman, McDonough. Uh, if you could pick three guys to have on your left side defense, it'd be a pretty good three. Yeah, especially when you can kind of control the neutral zone and force guys 
over to that side of the ice. It makes it a little easier to play defense. The Predators opted to go to their backup, Kevin Lankinen, for this game. Well, the Flames called to Jacob Markstrom. Lines were the same as Tuesday, but a change on the blue line. Chris Tanev out. Nikita Zadorov elevated to play in the top four with Mackenzie Weger and Connor Mackey into play alongside Michael Stone. In the first, not much going for the Flames. In fact, they'd only muster three shots to the Predators' 12. It was one. Uh, it was on one of those final shots that the game would see its opening goal. Smith will flip the pocket of the flame zone and ahead to McCarron who tries a sharp angle shot, a stop, rebound, Jankowski scores! In his Predators debut, former Flames first round pick, Mark Jankowski. One times the puck pass, Jacob Markstrom. Because why not? Why wouldn't it be Mark Jankowski in his very first game this season, very first game as a Predator, yep. opening up the scoring with a gift in the slot? I, I love when uh, people were tweeting, that's the most flamesy thing ever uh, it, it after is. the goal. Like, that happens to every team, right? Everyone's like, oh, it only happened. No, it happens. Believe me, when you have... Uh, in my old job, teams used to go, players used to, oh, you know, they grew up cheering for the Maple Leafs. First game against the Leafs, they score. Oh, that always happens to the Leafs. It happens to every fan base. You know, you always it's always confirmation bias. Oh, it always happens when team players face their team for the first time when they score against them. The other one that the Flames, uh, that I think Flames fans would believe would be that backup goalies have a tendency of coming in here and being a stone wall. Is that a... Again, that's another... Yeah. Confirmation bias. Mm. It's like the fourth time I've used that. Uh, Markstrom did have to make some key stops over the course of the game, uh, including one on Matt Duchesne from the slot in the first period that definitely stood out. But after 20, the Flames trailed by one. You'd hope for some more jump to start the second, but that was not the case. Puck comes free for Lozon. Moves it ahead, Duchesne to Forsberg. And alone shoots and scores. That turned into a two-on-0. And Philip Forsberg makes no mistake. He scores 59 seconds into the second period. Zadorov and Weger get caught on their first shift. They're kind of forcing a change in that first minute. Kadri passes to Jonathan Huberdo. Michael Granlin makes a great play in the neutral zone to step up on Huberdo, force a turnover, turn the puck the other Terrible way. Terrible change, though. Terrible change. Uh, really hung out Anderson and, and Noah Hannafin for the uh, the minuses there. But just like that, the Flames are down 2 nothing. And that play almost looked like it was offside. Almost. Really good it job by Duchesne to keep that foot on the blue line. That and, right foot. And again, Forsberg with that beautiful mustache, by the way. Good duster. Uh, eventually, you're, you're growing back your mustache. You're in the process of growing back your mustache. Four days in, baby, you can uh, start. It's like a uh, it's like a fine grit right now. Not coarse. It's fine. It's like you can finish off. Uh, you're, you're working on the, on the wood lathe. And then yeah. you can just use your... Yeah, like Your if mustache. I was if I was uh, doing a little a table, like, uh, I was I was a painter back in the day, George. Yeah, you'd have to do a nice little sand before yep. you could put the paint on. Right, then the primer. It, yeah, 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 sure. Long time ago, I don't remember a whole lot. Anyways, Flames took a penalty later, and then Yossi scored. Tacks the puck from Anderson, backs it up to the blue line. Yossi shoots and scores. Roman Yossi with a seeing eye shot from the left point. It goes through a bunch of players and past Jacob Markstrom. Predators score a power play goal and take a 3 to nothing lead. Yeah, it's just 30 seconds into the man advantage. The Predators move it around. Screen point shot beats Markstrom. 3 nothing. 22 minutes and 27 seconds into the contest. The Flames would start to get some more shots, most of it from the periphery. Couldn't get any sustained ozone time. Couldn't get to Lankanen, who was sharp when he needed to be, but not tested often. 
and when it was usually from distance and unimpeded, the Flames would get a bit of a jump start to start the third period. Lankinen trying to clear himself, can't. Backlund knocks it down and keeps it in. Backlund able to dig the puck out and center Coleman scores! Blake Coleman finally gets his first goal of the season. Great work down low by oh. the Michael Backlund line. Really, Michael Backlund forces the Lankinen turnover along the boards. Helps out with the battle down low, wins the battle, gets the puck to Coleman. He's having a good start to the year. I don't think there's any question that the Coleman-Backlund pair is the best pair on this team. And I don't think it's even particularly close. Those guys just have great chemistry. That third line, I know you're not a first, second, third, fourth line type of guy, but those two together are a force for the Calgary Flames. An elite checking pair, without a doubt. And if you can get some scoring from them too... Changes the complexion of this team quite a bit. Uh, that came just a minute and 43 seconds into the third period. I thought in the third they played some of their best hockey, but it was a little bit too little, too late against a big means Predators team who did a good job of blocking shots uh, as that game went on. They ended up with 24 blocks in the game to just 13 for the Calgary Flames. And I thought that there was a couple of moments where some sticks especially got in some key lanes. Nikita Zadorov had a shot from the slot that Sanford got a stick on. Toffoli hit a crossbar with just over six minutes to go that might have changed the look. Uh, in, in, in beer league or I don't care what, what type of hockey you're playing, is there anything more frustrating when you beat the goalie and it hits the shaft of his stick over his blocker? Uh, that's what happened to Toffoli. It, it went off the shaft of Lankin and stick, hit the crossbar and went out. Like that's how it didn't go in. Is there anything more frustrating than hitting the shaft of the goalie stick? It's essentially a moving post. Like no goaltender yeah. is like, I'm gonna stop this with the butt end of my twig. Like, yeah. no, you it's don't have that. You don't have that dexterity. And, and, and that's what happened last night to Tyler Toffoli. And again, uh last night on the broadcast, if you saw it, Kelly Rudy was singing the praises of Milan Lucic, who was on the second line again last hey, man, night. He, he had, looked good last he night. Hit two posts. He had that one shot where he was coming off the bench, the slap shot that Looked like it might have cracked the darn post. Anyways, they would end up losing 4-1. to Philip Forsberg Oof. scoring an empty netter. Uh, the loss of Chris Tanev was significant. It caused the D pairs to be shuffled a little bit. Looked disjointed at points in the game and could be doing more to help each other out, says the head coach. Still very much trying to find partners, and it's pretty obvious. You'll be a good partner. Give, every, give your partner another second, tell them what to do, things like that. Elias Lindholm also speaking to the media after the game. Uh, didn't like much of what he saw. There wasn't a lot uh, going on for us tonight. It was just a bad overall performance and, and uh, you know, it was no time to get to the goal. We were playing playing a lot, the, you know, up and down and, and decent a lot. So it was, it was, uh, it was tough to watch. Uh, the word unacceptable was used last night a lot in the Flames dressing room. And... A lot of teams, a lot of players do that in the league when they lose a game. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. That that term is just o overused way too much. Yeah, I know. It's poop sandwich right now. It is, quote unquote, unacceptable. But they got to get their game together here because ever since the lineup change, team looks a lot different. Uh, they're getting off to these slow starts. Uh, you know, guys are fighting it right now. I thought Lou had a great point post game that it doesn't look like they're having any fun. The energy's down on the team right now. They probably do need that road trip to kind of jumpstart this team a little bit. But don't look now. You're playing the scorching hot New Jersey Devils coming into town tomorrow night. And you better be up for that game because that, that could get out of hand quickly here tomorrow night. Oh, mm.
Oh, mmm. Next game is Saturday at 8 o'clock as the Flames will host the Devils. Also, I did want to mention this. The Flames Foundation is holding a multi-day 50-50 today and tomorrow in support of Canadian veterans mm. and their families. So if you head to 5050flames.com, you can get involved with this special one. All the proceeds directed to Homes for Heroes, the Veterans Association Food Bank, and support our troops in honor of Remembrance Day. I love me a good 50-50. Uh, you can get more information on the Flames website for that, too. Uh, it'll go today, and it'll go tomorrow. Across the league, 12 other games. Every Canadian team but the Leafs were on the ice. Let's start with the Oilers, who are hosting the Flames' next opponent, the Devils. Something had to give here. The Oilers had won five straight. The Devils had coupled together four wins heading into Edmonton. Oilers look to have this one all wrapped up. I flipped the TV over after the Flames game. The Oilers are up 3-2. But then uh, pow, pow, blink and you miss it type of situation. Cuts to his left. Gives it off to Graves. Moves between the circles with a shot. That's deflected. Then goes in. It rolls through Skinner. And the Devils have tied it up. Second of the season, a chance for more. They move and they score! Jesper Brad found himself all alone, and the Devils lead 4-3. Moose Jaw's own Chico Resch there on color, really enjoying the goals from the New Jersey Devils. Matt Laughlin on the call. Yes, the Devils scored two goals seven seconds apart, including... Uh, quite nice goal for Jesper Bratt as the Devils turn a 3-2 deficit into a 4-3 regulation victory. Fifth goal of the season for Jesper Bratt. He's got a point in every game for the Devils so far. He's Good been, player. He's been fantastic. Do you think um, huh? Connor McDavid is going to go out of his way to try to win the Rocket this year? I don't know if he's going to go out of his way. I think that he could kind of do it if he really wants to. I don't know if it's going out of his way. Does but, he need but to, But he feels like a guy, like, watching him this year, you're like, okay, he's I shooting. I think he's shooting a little more. Like, he's the, looking at, to shoot a that, little more. At the end of that game, he comes screaming down the left side. He's like got he the does. defenseman turning. He looks like me back there, the poor guy. Right. And he opts for just a, a nice hard shot. Last year, maybe he zips out around the net. Maybe he goes for a bit of a loop. Maybe he looks for an outlet, something like that. But he just took the, the hard shot. The goaltender made the stop. But to me, that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, okay, he's trying to score more this year. Okay, good for everybody else. That's just great. Cool. Right on. <sighs> what? Yeah, great. Love it. Canucks took it in the teeth. They were hosting the Devils earlier this week. They had the Ducks in town on Thursday. They feel like a nice get-right team this year, yeah. the Anaheim Ducks, uh, and the Canucks certainly prove that. Elias Pettersson to the red line on left wing, centers for Kuzmenko, going to the goal, shoots, he scores! The hat-trick goal for Andre Kuzmenko! He's first in the NHL, and the Canucks lead 7-4. to four. Two goals, two minutes apart for Kuzmenko. He gets three goals. That puts him at six on the season, as you heard in the call from Brendan Batchelor there. Uh, the first hat-trick of his career. The Canucks have scored eight goals. Don't look now, but in their last four games, they've potted 20 tucks. Also five points for Elias Pettersson. Yeah, um, there's my take of, I think, Elias Pettersson's a little overrated. <laughs> Only had five points last night. Great take. Only the third time he's done it in his career, George. Yeah, but again... Fool's gold for the Vancouver Canucks. And this is what they do. Yep. This is what they do, Maddie. Oh, terrible. 
Let uh, Connor Bedard grew up cheering for the Canucks. It's time to tank. And all of a sudden, like, eight goals against the Ducks. Look at us winning hockey games now. Maybe we can be a playoff team. Maybe if Thatcher Demko gets hot like he did in the bubble, maybe we can have another run. It's the same perpetual purgatory just awfulness in Vancouver. It's fool's gold over and over again. Oh, they're on a good run. Look at the Canucks right now. Does anybody take the Canucks seriously? You can't. Oh, it's going to happen with Bo Horvat. I don't know. We should keep him. He's a great captain. Sign JT forever. Miller's here forever. <laughs> Come on. Their blue line still sucks. They still coughed up five goals to the Ducks. They did. That's, <laughs> that's fool's gold in Vancouver. But everyone's like, oh, great to be a Canucks fan this morning. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be in Calgary today. Come on. Who honestly believes in the Canucks? All Canadian matchup out in the middle of the country as well. We have the five and five Montreal Canadiens in Winnipeg to battle the five, three and one Jets. I only did that because I know you love my French accent. Winnipeg Great. starting a three-game homestand after a road trip that saw them collect five of a possible six points. Might the Jets actually be good? Montreal was wrapping up a four-game roadie. They had won two of the three prior. The Habs led one nothing. Then they led two to one, and then they let it get to overtime. Shifley dropped it for Connor. He's got a lane to the net. Shoot! Score! Kyle Connor, a rip daddy to the net. His second of the year. And yeah, rip daddy. Just two goals for Kyle Connor on the season. Is that right? Can we check that? We're ten games in, and Kyle Connor's only got two tucks. He's Is got. He's right? got like the second worst luck, puck luck behind Chris Kreider. Oh, I love hockey analytics like that. <laughs> oh, oh, Patty Dumas, why don't you tell me more about expected goals? That's my favorite stat. There's no variables or gray area in that stat at all. Just pretend like expected goals are gospel. I love that stat. There's nothing to do with maybe a pass was a better situation. <laughs> maybe the angle was wrong. No variables and expected goals. He's had bad puck luck. I love hockey analytics. I've figured out this is your lying voice. Like, this is your Fibian voice. No, like, this is the one you all. use when you tell your better half that you'd love to go apple picking on Sundays when there's That enough. sounds delightful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And instead of golf, like with the what? boys, you'd rather golf with her? Yeah. Why would I want to go golfing on a nice fall day when we can go to a pumpkin patch <laughs> and have some warm apple cider? Doesn't that sound delicious? Uh, I prefer my apple cider cold, so okay. uh, that's a fact. That's a good lie. Uh, the Senators were hosting the Golden Knights. Two teams on opposite trends here. Uh, Sens had lost three straight. Knights looking for a sixth straight win. In the second game of a five-game Eastern Conference road trip, and the Knights would score four unanswered en route to a 5-4 victory. couple of goals from Tim Stutzla made it close, but not close enough. How about Vegas? 10-2, having won six straight. The two hottest teams in the NHL both got new co new head coaches this season. Mm. The Bruins and the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. you got to give Jack Eichel credit. He's been very, very good for Vegas. He was invisible in that game against Calgary early on this season. He sure was. But he's been fantastic this year for Vegas. Just the one point in yesterday's contest, but he has been... He looks a lot more like, like when you would watch Buffalo and you'd be like, wow, most of these guys don't belong in the NHL, but that guy looks like he could one day win a some sort of trophy. Wow. Hurricanes beat the Lightning 4-3 in a shootout elsewhere. We also had the Red Wings beat the Capitals 3-1. Alex Ovechkin scored the only goal for Washington, tied the NHL record for most goals with a single franchise. He's got 786, which ties Gordie Howe. He did that with the 
Red Wings. Bruins earned their 10th win of the season, besting the Rangers 5-2. Jim Montgomery becomes the fifth NHL head coach to record his first 10 victories with the franchise in their first 11 games. The last guy to do it, Patrick Waugh with the Avs in 13-14. That ended well. Hmm. Islanders beat the Blues 5-2. Jordan Bennington with uh, back-to-back clown show performances. Uh, After he got shelled by the Kings, he was pulled and was chirping at the bench on his way off. This one, he gets shelled for five goals against the Islanders, and he goes and throws his shoulder into Ilya Sorokin as the game comes to an end. It's getting a little too much with Bennington with that. What a Dial goof. it back a little bit. It's yeah. November. Yeah, stop October, a October, November. Yeah. yeah. Maybe stop a puck. Yeah. Uh, crack and shut out the Wild 4 to nothing. Kings fell to the Blackhawks in overtime 3-2. to two. The Stars beat the Coyotes down at Mullet Arena 7-2, to two, the final score there. And Eric Carlson scored his 10th goal of the season. What? The Sharks lost to the Panthers 4-3 in a shootout. He becomes the fastest blue liner in the modern era to score 10 goals in a season. He took him just 13 games. You have to go back to 87-88 when Phil Housley had 10 goals in his first 15. You have to go back to, like, before World War II to find when people were doing this. Did did Eric Carlson's feet travel back in time I have no and idea. get healthy again and turn back into Must Eric have. Carlson's regular feet? Because right now, uh, he's the favorite to win the Norris Trophy 10 games into the season. <laughs> he is! I don't even know what team this is. So Harry Cameron, back in 1917-1918... Oh. For Tan, did it in seven games. And King Clancy, in 1929-1930, did it for Sen in nine games. I don't know what those acronyms are for. That's how old these are. Yeah. Um, He's been incredible. Like I don't know how he's doing it. Sharks are awful, but... Yeah, and he's continued to put up all these points. He's literally right there in the Norris conversation. Slight schedule today. We got some afternoon hockey for you. Did you no. say Norris conversation? He right now would be the Norris Trophy winner. Yeah, right mm-hmm. now ten. Ga- if they gave a Norris Trophy for ten games, the guy has ten goals. He's winning the Norris. Give yeah, his teams. Okay. I, I, well, you know what? We have to dive into the analytics, and then I can then Whoa. I can decide if he needs an award. What's Carlson's expected goals this season? I need to sorry, know his expected sorry. goals against George. Okay. Like, well, how's the suppression? Uh, slight schedule today, but we do have some afternoon hockey. The 2022 NHL Global Series continues from Finland. The Avalanche are billed as the home team. They play the Jackets at noon at Nokia Arena in Tampere, Finland at 5. Dare I say it, George? A couple of Eastern Conference powerhouses meet as the Hurricanes welcome the Sabres. Yep, I'm calling them an Eastern Conference powerhouse. Tage Thompson and the Sabres are a wagon. Uh, it's 11 a.m. The Avalanche and Jackets play today, which is super early. Um, you got to love morning hockey. Yep. Uh, but uh, right now, uh, again, back on my theme of stupid NHL awards, uh, an eighth of the season. Uh, Eric Carlson's the North Trophy winner, and Tage Thompson's your Hart Trophy winner, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or okay. Okay, McDavid's got some money. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, damn you, McDavid. Like, at this point, damn you. At this point, we have to have like a second heart trophy. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, yeah, it's 97. Just... Yeah, okay, we'll put your name on the big one, sure. But like, give everyone else a chance. You know, you know what McDavid suffers from? The LeBronitis. Like, LeBron should have won way more MVPs because he was the best player in the league. It's just you're tired of LeBron winning the MVP every year, so you vote for somebody else. Unbelievable. But Matthews did score 60 last year, and he deserved to win the heart. I don't know if this game is at 11 or if it's at noon. Is it's at it, 11. It's at 11. The phone says 11. The NHL media site says it's at noon. So What is happening? Are they going to have an hour of, of pregame ceremony <laughs> in that game? Is that why? They're just going to trot out like the five it's finish a noon guys. Start. And 
Yeah, I think I think the app that we're looking at is is wrong because it's not a Sportsnet app. I'll tell you that for free, or else it would be right. Am I right? <laughs> All right, moving on. You can make Over to that. the NFL, where uh, Thursday night football kicked off uh, Week Nine with the Eagles in Houston to play the Texans. Only a thirteen and a half point spread to start this game. Would the Texans have any answer to the last undefeated team in the NFL? Two receivers stacked to the near side. Second and ten. Hurts backs up, looking, still looking. He is firing, and it is a touchdown, A.J. Brown. Hurts made it look easy. A.J. Brown did the escape act, was wide open, and Hurts merely lobbed them the football. Oh, I love when your receiver does the old escape act. Jalen Hurts, 21 for 27, 243 yards passing, two TDs through the air. Another couple on the ground from Miles Sanders and... Uh, Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah. As the Eagles bested the Texans 29 to 17. Uh, Houston went away from pounding the football to Damian Pierce, who had a really good first half. Yep. And credit the Texans for hanging around in this game. They were tied at the half. Backdoor cover. I did take take the uh, Eagles minus seven and a half in the first half because Philadelphia is the best second quarter team in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Not last night there, Sailor. Lost that bet. But uh, credit the Texans for hanging around. And the Eagles did what the Eagles do because they're an elite team. They ultimately got the turnovers on defense. Davis Mills was Davis Mills again. And he's the same guy who said in training camp, we're going to shock the world. Yeah, they're 1-6-1. and one. Yeah. I don't know how shocking that is. But uh, the Eagles still look good. Much... Best team in football? Eagles, Bills? Eh. Eagles look good, man. They're a fun team they're to watch. Deep. They're deep. They got weapons all over the field. The only thing that could really hurt these guys at this point is uh, injuries. We'll knock on wood. Uh, On to the baseball. Game 5 of the World Series. Final game in Philly before they flip it back to Houston for Game 6 and possibly Game 7 Saturday and Sunday. Houston ace Justin Verlander against Thor. Drink, I like it. Another. Noah Syndergaard going for the Phillies. Jeremy Pena single to get the Strohs on the board in the first, but it would be Philadelphia answering. Another high fastball, and it's ripped to right and gone. Kyle Schwarber. Gets a hold of a high fastball and laces it into the seats in right to tie the game. 1-1 after that. Jeremy Pena not done, though, after he got the Astros on the board back in the first inning. Pena lifts one in the air to left field. It's hit pretty well. Schwarber's back at the wall and will watch it go. Jeremy Pena lofts one into the seats in left, and the Astros go on top, 2-1. to one. Jordan Alvarez would extend that lead with an RBI ground out in the top of the eighth, but then Gene Segura would get that run back with a line drive RBI himself. Last call in the ninth for the Phillies, down by just one run. Swung on and hit in the air to right center. This ball's tagged pretty well. And back at the wall, jumping and making the catch is Chaz McCormick. He makes a remarkable leaping catch. Quite the grab there, Chaz. Man, it was incredible. Uh, <laughs> Real Muto was definitely robbed. And that what makes that catch even more incredible was Bryce Harper was on deck. So that's a double for sure. He can potentially drive in the tying run. Maybe no. even a triple if you get a good bounce. Like that thing was an incredible grab. And now it feels like Astros is probably going to win the World Series at home. Zach Wheeler expected to face Framber Valdez for Game 6 Saturday night at 6.03. I would argue the pitching matchup would lean towards the Phillies, but Zach Wheeler also got busted up by Houston earlier on in this series. Uh, But shout out to the Phillies for making this one interesting, but they are certainly in tough now that this is headed back to Houston. 
Raptors back at it. Crush the San Antonio Spurs back on Wednesday. Stay down in Texas. They play the Mavericks tonight at 6.30. Mavericks are 4-3, and three, having won back-to-back games, while the Raptors are 5-3, and three, also having won back-to-back games. What are you watching for this one, George, uh, as the Raptors battle Mark Cuban, Dirk Nowitzki, and the Mavs? Yes, uh, Disco Dirk uh, going to be out there for the... No, I, I, I want to see... big German. Yeah, I want to see... They love their European players, yeah, hey? Yeah, they do. I want to see how they uh, handle Luca. And uh, the Mavs. Oh, great film. I love the Italian notes in Luca. Really? Luca. Um, Pascal Siakam continues you to be at another level. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no. <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno. Siakam's been good. Uh, the Stampeders have their final Calgary practice later today before they head to BC Saturday hey. for the West Division semifinal. Uh, we'll discuss with the Rash just after 8. Uh, they're looking to get healthy as well. Some other local notes. The Wranglers have an afternoon game today. A little hockey hooky. 1 o'clock, they'll host the Tucson Roadrunners. Should be a fun afternoon tilt. The Roadrunners are the Coyotes affiliate. Uh, they did lose to the Roadrunners 3-1 on Wednesday night. They'll also take on the Barracuda Sunday at 6. The Hitmen beat the Victoria Royals out at 7 Chiefs Arena last night. 5-2 the final score. They did not won four in a row. Back-to-back mm. -back games for the Hitmen. They host the Medicine Hat Tigers at 7 o'clock tonight. Also out at 7 Chiefs Arena. The Roughnecks start their season next month. They begin training camp today. The Knicks also announced a multi-year extension for goaltender Christian Del Bianco Thursday. The Coquitlam native prepares for his seventh season in Calgary. And a little CanCon to wrap things up. Felix Auger-Aliassime onto the quarterfinals at the Rolex Paris Masters, beating Gilles Simon. Gilles Simon. In straight sets. He'll face American Francis Tiafo uh, in Pretty the 16th seed. If you're listening live, they're getting underway in a matter of moments, just after 7. If you're listening on demand, it's either on the go or all wrapped up, and you're going to have to figure that out for yourself. Uh, the Worldwide Technology Championship is down in Mexico as the PGA continues. Talked about this with Adam Stanley yesterday. Adam Hadwin, your top-ranked Canadian, five under, tied for 19th, four strokes back of the leader. And good night and good luck to you, sir. Uh, and the Rose Report is brought to you by MotorWorks, exceeding all expectations. BMW repairs and service in a state-of-the-art facility where they'll meet and beat all competitors' quotes on 51st Ave and 3rd Street, Southeast. All right, straight ahead. What's your concern level? For your Calgary Flames, give us a call, 403-240-4444. Hit us up on the old text line, 960-960, name and location. Also, your chance to win a $100 gift card on the text line. Pretty sweet. What is your guilty pleasure show and why? Give us the why, why we, sh why we should be watching it, 960-960, name and location. This is all uh, because Manifest is on Netflix today. Part f Season 4, Part 1, I'm excited. What happened on Flight 828? We don't talk about yeah, uh, this, is, this is weird. And then later on, uh, later on in the, in the show, I'm going to tell you why an eight-year-old is more of a man than the four of us put together. Oh, well, that's not really surprising to me, no. but I'm excited to find out what yeah, you mean. we're all super soft like butter in the hot sun. It's all straight ahead. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. I'm sorry, maybe that go wrong.